What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm going to do a quick code open. Today, we have Nico back, and we're talking about a plethora of topics. I like that word. Um, first, we hit his thoughts on Eternals, his thoughts on the Morbius trailer. You guys already know my thoughts if you listened to last week's show. But the main topic we talk about today, well, actually, we go about an hour and 26 minutes. Um, it was a lot of good stuff we talked about. But the main reason for the show was because him and I were texting a couple weeks ago. And we're, we're both going to be at Seattle Comic-Con, which is Emerald City Comic-Con. My first time going to be there. His first time going to be there. It's going to be awesome. And uh, he said, am I going to... He asked me if I was going to go out my way to uh, try to get anybody's autographs. And I was like, you know what? Like John Cena's going to be there. I, it's gonna, I, I have to take the opportunity to meet John Cena. I don't know how many Comic-Cons this guy's going to do. Um, so I'm going to spend about two, three hours just probably getting autographs from him, waiting in line for him, which I'm okay with because... Um, I think it's just too good of an opportunity to pass. Um, and and so then I started talking about Jim Lee. And I was supposed to meet Jim Lee one time. And um, I, I, I tell the story in, on the show, so you guys can wait to hear that. But um, it kind of just, I just didn't have the time to wait for him. I just didn't want to wait for him, period, bottom line. Um, but we get into that in the show. But he started talking about his prices, how some people's prices bothered him. But this is not the first time I've had this conversation or the first time people have tried to talk to me about it. As you guys were hearing the show, I don't mind what people know is their worth. You know, I just I, I just don't mind. Um, so it's one of those situations where I always thought it was fascinating to hear the other side of it. And Nico brings up some good points, you know, some things about just... Um, what 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 he goes what his goes through his thought process and he puts things away in ways I just never thought of, so it's a pretty cool listen. Like I said, it goes about an hour and twenty six minutes all together with everything we did, which is still cool. But the reason for the cold open is in the show I tell you guys I'm gonna tell you on the cold open what these Jim Lee packages are. So here are the Jim Lee packages. For more context, just continue to listen. For a single autograph from Jim Lee, it's $60. For a single autograph with a CGC signature, which means when you sign it, it's, CGC is what authenticates it, which lets people know it's real. So usually people who get CGC autographs are people who are trying to sell it. I have a several CGC autographs, but I'm not selling my stuff. It was just, it just so happened that people were like, hey, you gave my autograph. Like example, when I got Ron Perlman's autograph for my Hellboy action figure, name drop. Um... He, there was a guy standing next to him. It's like, hey, do you want this? Set, uh, it's five dollars more. You want it uh, authenticated? I said, okay, I guess I don't care. And so it's been stuff like that. But I do have some things that are uh, authenticated. But usually, people who are selling it usually care about this. Also, you have the fan experience package, which is one hundred and sixty-five dollars. It comes with one limited edition print signed by Jim Lee, three signatures on your own items, guaranteed admission for one of Jim Lee's panels, and a photo with Jim with your own phone. And finally, the CGC fan experience, which is one limited edition print signed by Jim Lee, three signatures on your own stuff, guaranteed admission to one panel, photo with uh, your, um, with, excuse me, photo with Jim with your own camera. So, I don't see the difference between the fan experience. Oh, I do. It's the CGC. Yeah. Essentially, it's the same thing. You just get CGC. Anyways, that is what what we're talking about today. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely thought about putting out um, the Blacklist of uh, Season 1. 
of the, of the, of the eight-part series. But then I thought about it. I was like, then we're going to go weeks without even hearing about it. Because <laughs> we have Hawkeye that leads right into Spider-Man. Once Hawkeye is done, I'm thinking that's when I start. Um, it started. But as but we'll see how that goes. But either way, a lot of these things are recorded. We might end up starting out the, ne- the next year with that. So I'm super excited about that. And um, I hope you guys enjoy this. You guys have really been taking to Nico. I appreciate it because I've kind of been looking for like that number two to kind of bring on every now and then. And uh, I haven't heard any complaints. You know, you guys have said, like, hey, take, take some little while to get his thoughts caught up. But so it is for me sometimes. That's why I do a lot of mmms and whatever. Um, also, <laughs> I'm also usually doing research as I'm on the air with you guys. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, what's good? Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. This is definitely, I think, the second longest show in uh in in this history i know i think i went an hour and 30 minutes by myself i think it was on arrow this uh, arrow stuff but i don't know we'll see but anyways this is one of the longer shows it's worth the listen check up everybody welcome to the show i see things a little differently i am the little chemical and we have nico back um for a fun topic that actually has been a thing where i've had this conversation where i've had people like talk to me about it like for like the last six or seven years since i started how long i've been going to conventions how long i've been getting booked i think it's been six years this no how long yeah six years no it's five years going into my sixth year which will be 2022 Anyways, it's been a conversation that I've either had or people tell me about. I just think it's a fun topic. We'll get into that in a second. We're going to first hit uh, Nico's thoughts. Because uh, as of this recording, my thoughts on Eternals has not come out yet. It's going to be out in a couple days. So this is going to come out probably, probably a week after. But I want to get his thoughts on the on Morbius trailer and on the Eternals tra- on a movie. So how you doing today, man? I'm doing awesome. Not, not too bad over here in Houston. Uh, I think... Last time I was on the show, uh, uh, the Astros were in the World Series. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, we've lost the World Series. So, but I've 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 had some time to recuperate after the loss. So I'm good now. You know what's funny is I am not a uh, fan of baseball at all. As far as like, I have no dogs in any of the races. I I can care less. I know they had a scandal a couple of years ago, whatever. And I knew that was a bit, the records for baseball are so just sacred. Like it's to me, it's the only sport where the records are so diminished at this point because of steroids or whatever. But like those records are still so sacred. Like you look at football, you look at basketball. These are just as popular, if not even more popular, but they don't take their, their culture as serious as baseball. So it's funny how I used to live in Atlanta um, I, have a, I have a rich history in Atlanta, so I, I didn't care less. If anything, I was kind of rooting because I completely forgot you guys got Dusty Baker. I was kind of rooting for him to get his first ring. Um, yeah. 
So that's kind of disappointing. But I mean, you guys have been there like the last five years. So I can't imagine you guys falling off. So that last time you were on the show, you guys had just got into the World Series. So yeah. 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 We, uh, last five years, we made it to the ALCS. Uh, three of those five years we were in the World Series. We won one World Series. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been some great baseball over here, and we do have Dusty Baker again next year. They signed him again, so hoping to run it back and 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 try to and try to give the guy a a, a ring because he he deserves it, man. He's a he's an awesome dude. I definitely think he deserves a ring too. He's been through the ringer in those World Series, but um, that is definitely a topic for another show that I know that can definitely can definitely contribute to. Like at the last us uh, show we did, got great feedback and people were just like were asking me like, "How can we even talk about?" She's like, "I don't know anything about the genre," <laughs> you know. So I did the best I could, but I definitely could talk about baseball because I know enough about the history. Because at one point in time, I was just a sports head. I just watched anything sports. Um, mm-hmm. I've gotten away from that as uh, as my life has gotten busier. But I still keep up with certain things or whatever. But um, first, I want to hit up, before we get into today's topic, and today's topic will be about when you go to conventions, the pricing of autographs from certain people, like why some people are ridiculous, why some people aren't. I actually have a couple funny stories I can tell Nico. But, but we got into this because me and Nico were texting last week, and I said a name, and we'll share the story in a second after we talk about other stuff. And I just said, man, that would be a fun topic just to hit because it just would be fun. So, but I want to get his thoughts first on the Morbius trailer. Like, what, what, are you excited to see that movie first of all? Uh, I am more excited now. Um, I don't know too, too much about Morbius. Um, I do like Jared Leto. Uh, he has a few good roles that, um, the, the one role that stands out to me most was his, uh, his role in, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, so he's he's a you know he's a he's a great actor. There's just you know, a few roles where I feel like he kind of goes over the top a little too much. But <laughs> after I after I saw this trailer, I kind of think he does fit pretty well. You know, as like that you know living vampire kind of dude. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the 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 trailer did excite me and it got me more anticipating the the film. And I do, I did really like the look of Morbius. Mm. As as I as I said before on like a few shows, I'm all about the creature characters, um, and I do feel like man, like his his look at the end of that trailer, especially he was like fully transformed, and he kind of like you know looks at the camera and gives like a big big gnarly growl or something like that. Yeah, he does. Um, I was like, okay, cool. He he looks cool, but you know my fear is is that. 75 80 percent of the movie is going to be just kind of jared leto mm. and then you know the last 10 15 percent he's going to come in as the creature and then we're going to be you know kind of oh, man you know wish wish we kind of had more of that creature um but it looks good um i don't i hated that last what is it we are venom line or whatever it was oh he you said know I'm, I'm venom he says no i'm kidding i'm dr michael Morbius. Uh, he said that yeah yeah i mean he was like i am venom he's like no i'm kidding i was like i just because i think i spoke about it on the show before but the the first tom hardy venom movie i hated mm-hmm. the second the sec i, I saw the second uh what is it let there be carnage mm-hmm. i don't think we spoke about it i think we, we have spoke not about the trailer but I also hated that movie probably <laughs> even more than the first one, unfortunately. Um, so when he brought up that Venom line at the end, I was like, oh, 
please do not lend into that, you know, lean into that weird ampiness that Mm. those first, those, those Venom films, uh, have, Mm. which I, you know, soon to, for those two Venom films, I've, uh, I kind of looked up who the, uh, the the script writer was for that movie, and it was the same writer as uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. <laughs> that was like that was like the, the 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 writer's only credit. That was like interesting. Right, right. And they got the the writer for Fifty Shades of Grey to write Venom. Um, but anyway, the the I, I was excited by the trailer. You know, I I enjoyed Jared Leto. I think he has some really good roles and he has good potential. Um. The story seems pretty cool. You know, I, I know a little bit about, you know, Morbius, uh, just not too much of his lore. And the creature, his transformation and his kind of fighting at the in the trailer looked looked real cool. Um, and it looks like a, you know, you could certainly see a Morbius Blade team up after seeing that trailer, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, how about yourself? Um, I was already excited for it, but I, I am a huge fan of Mor- the Morbius character, though. Um, to me, I would probably say the reason why I have become a fan about this, and we talked about this a little bit, but to, in my opinion, Spider-Man Batman has the greatest rogues gallery of villains of all time. I think it's undisputable for me, personally. Um, and so I've always, Batman? That's what I said, <laughs> Spider-Man and Batman. Oh, okay, you said Batman. Yeah, yeah so, no, Spider-Man and Batman have the greatest rogues okay. gallery of all time. Um and if we had to put them against each other, I wouldn't choose. Um, just because, it's, to me, it's like, um, I don't know how much hip-hop you listen to, but to me, it's like trying to choose a member of Outkast. I, I wouldn't choose. You just have to pull the trigger and kill me. Um, yeah. I, one needs the other. And to me, I feel like Batman makes his rogues gallery same way Spider-Man makes his. So that's why I would never choose. But I've always dug deep into the lore of their rogues galleries. And so I know a lot about Michael Morbius. I am... I was never a big fan of Jared Leto. I do think he got a bad rap as Joker, mainly because how can you judge that Suicide Squad movie, the first one, when he was in it for like four minutes? And I was like, yeah, I don't care enough to even judge him for that. Um, so I just didn't care about it. So I, but I don't know much about him. I don't. I, I, the only movie I've seen of his where he was actually a point, a, a big part of it was. Uh, the movie that came out, I think it's with Denzel Washington called The Broken Pieces or something. I saw it on HBO Max and I was just intrigued. But um and I saw it. Little things. Yes, thank you, thank you. So that yeah. was cool. But as far as the trailer goes, um, I'm not gonna rehash everything. By the time you hear this, they will have heard the other stuff. But I'll say really quick, this is clearly an MCU movie wrapped in a Sony production. Um the reason why I think we're and to to go to your concern about seventy eight percent I'm okay with that in this movie because I tr- I get the feeling we're gonna see Morbius and Venom and Doctor Strange. I, like I just I just get this weird feeling that like Spider Man and Doctor Strange are so connected in movies that I'm not saying we're gonna see Tom Holland in that movie and Doctor Strange. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did, um, but I just get the feeling we're gonna see a lot of these Sony characters, especially after because we haven't talked about Let There Be Carnage. Um, so we can talk about it since you've seen it. The post credit scene obviously is what changed the game. For you, you see that Venom is now in the MCU, and also I think it's funny how they said that Morbius was not in the MCU, but then it says it's a Marvel Studios production, <laughs> so it's clearly in the MCU and it's clearly connected to everything, which is cool. I don't give a shit, but to me, I just have a feeling that 
I can deal with that in this movie mainly because I've, I have a feeling we're going to see Jared Leto. If he's not in Spider-Man, I truly believe he's going to be in the Multiverse of Madness. I think that whole movie is going to be a trip without the luggage. So I'm okay with that. And also I'm okay with it because it's clear that with Kevin Feige's leadership, Sony, even if he doesn't have full control over it, he's going to have a big part to play in how they connect their universe. Now, whether it's good or not, I don't know. I thought Venom Let There Be Carnage was kind of bad as well. It was cool to see Carnage live action for the first time because he's a he's a really good villain, I think. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it, you know. Um, and, I'll, and I'll surprise you with this, this statement. I'm more excited to see that than I am to see Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, Spider-Man. Uh, no, that's I, I that's that's understandable. I mean, especially it's kind it's kind of uh, um, I, I didn't I didn't think you would be so into Morbius because he Morbius seems you know vampire more of a a, a horror Marvel villain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of surprising to hear that. Uh, his, his his origin is so unique. Yeah, Nico, yeah. His, his origin is so cool to me. Like to me, that's what makes to me whenever people have been given the 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 pin for Batman or Spider-Man characters. I've always felt like they knew their responsibility was to create a villain. Forget Spider-Man. We know the Spider-Man lore. We know the Batman lore. It's been done over and over. It's To me, at this point, it's just overkill, which is why I like what the MCU did. They didn't even do an origin on him. They just said, hey, I got these powers and blah, 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 right? Because you don't need to rehash it. We know it, right? Like, to me, when people do Batman movies and we see his parents die for the umpteenth time grow the fuck up we get it he's he's, he's traumatized you know um but to me i've always felt like the, the the best creators for these guys are when they focus on the villains and to yeah. me i think his origin is so good because he isn't the bad man he truly isn't like most of spider-man's villains are not bad men you know they're just, they're just putting bad situations and they do bad things anyways the point is yeah i am into morbius um i'm gonna obviously watch it all i'm excited for it but um let's move on let's transition to what are your thoughts on the eternals movie oh man that is a that is a loaded question it is uh, it very much is yes <laughs> we're talking full spoilers and all oh yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. um man uh so there was a lot that i really liked about this movie um but there was all it was it was such a half and half movie for me, man. Because for everything that I really liked about it, there was some stuff that I just could not stand. Mm. Um, so Interesting. Some of the stuff that I, I really liked about it, um, you know, I enjoyed how different it was and how out there it went. Um, even you know, from the very beginning, from that opening crawl, or not the opening crawl, but just kind of the opening, uh, you know, like the black background with the with the white lettering, kind of saying, you know catching everybody up that, you know, celestial, uh, you know, celestials and, and, you know, deviants and eternals and kind of giving you this really high concept sci-fi fantasy, um, you know, kind of story right at the beginning. Um, the, I loved the look of the deviants. The deviants were awesome looking. I thought, thought that was probably some of the best, um, creatures kind of monster, um, designs that Marvel has had right next to the the, the dragon stuff in Shang Chi. Mm. Um, um, 
I love, I you know, I I loved the whole the whole dynamic between you know all all the internals. Um, I thought Druid, I thought Druid was probably the standout Eternal to me. Mm. Um, I f- I forget the actor's name, uh, but he was in Dunkirk. He was in a handful of things, but man, he is even just you know he kind of had you know not a main role but a, you know decently significant role. But in every scene he was in, man, he just. He it almost it. seemed like I thought he was going to be a villain at points, but he ended up not being. But I think that was just kind of the, you know, because he, he, his his power was like the mind mind controlling power. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like he kind of almost teetered on becoming a villain. Um, so, I, you know, I could maybe see them exploring something like that in a future movie. Um, I thought all the, all the fighting sequences were pretty incredible. Um Especially the 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 last fight against Icarus, um, just um, you know, each each character kind of kind of having their you know their their part in the fight uh, was pretty amazing. And uh, my, I went to go see it with my girlfriend, and I, I, I told her I was like, man, it kind of reminds me almost of like whenever you play like World of Warcraft or one of those like fantasy games, how you kind of like go into you know. A, a boss battle and like each each character is kind of you know taking their stab at like the big giant character you know villain or whatever um i felt like i, I almost felt like these big epic fantasy moments like that in this movie especially um a part that i loved was kind of back when they went and and um you know in babylon era um, in all like the, 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 the BC time period stuff, I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome how they, um, I don't know if you, you remember that part that I'm talking about? I do. They, I do. I think it was like, it was like 500, like Babylon 500 or something mm-hmm. like that. You're, you're 500. No, uh, I remember. I remember it was, I thought that, I yeah. thought those, I thought the visuals was pretty good on that too. Yeah. Yeah, so I I enjoyed that and this the whole concept of um, I forgot the what was the 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 guy like the the smart guy mechanical guy but he was he 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 had that scene where they were like they tried to give give the civilization was it a, a wheel or something was it was it a wheel or a pulley but he was like no civilization isn't isn't prepared for that we'll give them a snowplow or something like that yeah wasn't it a car i thought or an engine or engine or something yeah it was it was it was something like that it was something that was that was too advanced for the civilization at that point in time yeah it was but, it was a car it was an engine he was he built an engine for him yeah okay yeah 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 so like those cool little things like that were i thought were pretty incredible it was very different you know kind of how you know, he was basically in control of technology, and, you know, later on in the story, they do that flashback whenever, after, you know, the bomb of... Uh, Hiroshima. Naga- yeah, Hir- Hir- Hiroshima Nagasaki happened, and he's kind of, like, sitting there, and is like, I gave humanity too much technology. Mm. You know, I, you know, was, like, those those things were really, really cool. Um, and, I, and, you know, I enjoyed that. Some so, of the stuff that I didn't like, though. Yeah, but what, what, did, what didn't you like? <laughs> Let's get into that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I don't know his name, but uh, uh, Kumal is is the actor. Um, uh, I, I, Bollywood guy. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, Kingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I hated his character. Mm. I, you know, 
I just I thought he was just such um, just a ploy for you know comedic relief, mm. and even you know throughout the whole throughout every one of his scenes, I just got irritated, more irritated with that. You know, I kind of hit on it whenever we were talking about Shang Chi a while back. Just like that need for Marvel to always kind of implant like that, that, that before, humor, yeah. and it just feels so forced sometimes to me. And in this movie, it stood out even more because it was such like a heady, kind of celestial, out there, high concept movie. You know, and whenever he would come in the scenes and just kind of lend these little moments of of comedy, it just did not work for me. And like his his character just kind of seemed almost pointless towards the end because I don't know if you you know you um, remember, but he wasn't in the final scene. To... He wasn't in the final fight scene at all. Exactly, man. And before they even started, you know, um, before uh, uh, Cersei, you know, they go to try to um, turn Tiamat the Celestial into you know she 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 wants to freeze him in the in the in the earth and like even before they start off in that whole kind of last mission, last quest, he's just like, you know what? I agree with Icarus. I don't want to fight anybody, so I'm just going to leave. And he literally leaves for like the last 30 minutes of the film and then just pops up again like at the very end. I was like, that is such a weird weird choice that they did with that i did think that was weird um, I, I thought that was weird as well i thought I, I said that in my review of it too um yeah that was a weird choice you're right yeah so you know that that part as could have been done better um some of the other i guess you know maybe it wasn't stuff that i hated but just stuff that like just annoyed the crap out of me like there was one scene in particular i'm sure you remember it but they're on the plane or something that, you know, part, part of the Eternals are back together. And um, Cersei is talking to uh, Icarus. And she's like this whole concept where she's like addicted to her phone. Mm-hmm. And she like pulls out her phone and puts like a Snapchat filter on uh, Icarus. And it like shows Icarus how, how he would look if he was like older. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! That scene just irritated the hell out of me. <laughs> Why is that? It, it, it's just like I don't know. It, I felt like they were just like leaning too much into like this. I don't know, like like this like this modern concept that I really wanted them to focus more on, like the all the timely stuff, you know, mm. like all the time when they were in like the Babylon era. Or, you know, in the past, how they kind of brought history and how, how they brought these different time periods into fruition. And I wanted them to focus more on that a lot of the time instead of focusing on stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it might be a, a picky thing um, and just maybe kind of the parts that I enjoyed more. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather them do a little bit more into like bringing upon civilization rather than like Cersei's this amazing God, you know, godlike entity with these amazing powers. Like her Cersei's powers are so cool. How she could like basically turn different things into different elements. Mm-hmm. But instead they were doing stuff like that. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know. It, it's 
was that was 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 that not too much of a nitpick for you? No, you didn't like it. You didn't like it. I don't. I don't judge people who what they what they don't like. To me, I think, and I said this in my review, I, I felt like this movie would need all the time in the world because this Kirby's God creations are all complex, and so I don't think people really realize that. And I and I and I think this here's my here's my nitpick. I guess I think they went so heavy on the the spectacle of it. And I'm a wrestling fan, so pardon me for using this analogy. I don't know if you'll get this or not. They went so far trying to be like the WrestleMania, like the biggest show of the year, as opposed to focusing on a lot of stuff like that. Because to me, I thought they didn't spend a lot of time on that. Um, and I thought that was by design. Um, because you're saying you thought they spent too much time in like the heaviness and the spaciness, rather than, and you wanted more time like on the grounded stuff. I mean, me personally, if it was up to me, I would have chosen to, hey, let's see these guys help humanity over time and then see humanity devolve instead of seeing the 30 seconds. Like, to me, yeah, it was cool. You got the scene from Hiroshima where uh, Fastos is, is grieving because he gave him too much. But it's like, how did he lead up to that? Like, why why did Ajax allow him to do that after they shut down an engine? Why would you allow him to then make a nuclear bomb? Like, no, those things are actually explained well. Now, in fairness, it is a movie. And once again, they went for the spectacle of it, which is fine with me, you know? I don't think the movie is as bad as a Rotten Tomatoes, a, uh, whatever it is now, like 22, whatever it is now. I, no, no, not at all. No, but, but I do think these are some of the most... Ups- you can say whatever you want to about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew people who knew the Guardians of the Galaxy, though. I don't know many people outside of comic book heads that know the Eternals. Like, they're just not known. And and once again, Marvel has made a deal of using C-list characters, like, like, like Iron Man used to be, make him A-list. These guys weren't even C-list characters. They were E-list characters, if we're being honest. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. um, and even if you look at the, the, the publication history, Jack Kirby was only able to get like 50 uh, issues out of these characters because no one, because they didn't, people didn't get where Kirby was going with it at the time. It was too complex. So to me, yeah. no, nah, I'm not mad at anyone's was nitpicks. Like you have, you have your reasons for doing it. Um, to me, even when I read the reviews and I don't usually read reviews, but I just was curious, you know, even when I read like the three reviews I read, I just said, cool, you know, that's people aren't going to get it. But to me, this is a long game to me. I can see this being the next guardians of the galaxy where like, um, you need all three movies of theirs to understand the characters and to be invested in them. Now, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, they have first of all, James Gunn is just perfect director for those characters. So it worked out a lot sooner than than expected. But in my opinion, I think by the time we get to the third Eternals movie, if there is a third Eternals movie, there definitely will be a second one. Um, I think there will be a third one, obviously. By the time we get to that, then everything will be fleshed out. But I do think they, I do agree with you. I think they missed an opportunity to show the evolution of mm-hmm. everything, you know, and and maybe they'll get yeah. back to it. Maybe they will. Because because yeah. here's my thing: yeah, I mean, the post credit scene t- said a lot, so he may go back to it. Go ahead. No, yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. Like the whole, like you said, the evolving of humanity stuff. Like that stuff was amazing. I loved that stuff. Um, and I do, and I did appreciate how, on some parts, they, they I do, I, I do appreciate how much they leaned into like the curbiness mm-hmm. of everything. 
there's like that I don't know exactly when it is, but whenever um what's the celestial's name? The the main one. Uh Ajax. Starts with an A. Ajax. Um, no. Ajax? No, no, no. Ajax. Um, what is it? Tomorrow Selma Hayek's character? No, 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 no. The the actual celestial, the big Oh the big celestial, movie. sorry. Um Haramisha or Amareth. Yeah, thank you. I pronounced it wrong, but yeah. Yes, it's something like that. But anyway, but there's that scene whenever he's telling Cersei's, you know, after Ajax has, you know, passed and everything, but he's telling Cersei, you know, exactly what what their mission is, and like they, you know, it's 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 a little. It's a little over the top or, um, you know, a little on the nose in terms of exposition, but, you know, how it was showing, you know, these um, uh, celestials are like planted inside the earth and, you know, their mission is to, you know, get humanity bustling enough so that there's enough energy to, you know, summon the celestial and destroy because they have to create eventually, right, you know, right. it's, it's, a, it's a full cycle, you know, they're... Celestials control the cycle of destruction and creation, then destruction and creation, the the you know, the the ever ever revolving door. But how that it was so spacey and so out there that I I almost you know, watching it, I was like, Man, that's like straight up ripped off of like a you know, you look at a, a, a new gods or a, a Eternals actual comic from Kirby, you know, you can totally see like a good six to eight pages of Kirby just kind of, you know, doing this whole crazy spacey heady art with like, you know, these captions that are saying long ago and this and that. So like that scene right there, I was like, Oh, I love how they actually kind of went in, leaned into that curviness of everything. And, um, like I said, I, it, it seems like it was, you know, torn straight off the, the comic book page for that part. I was like, Oh, that's, that's great. I, you know, and I think that goes to, it's, say the same thing with all the you know evolving humanity stuff i feel like that was very you know comic book friendly you know you know ripped from a ripped from a a actual comic you know that you know a guy like kirby would make um and yeah yeah i mean just the that whole concept i do love the i don't know how you feel about um kind of the the you know the the twist the the icarus twist Mm -hmm. uh I I do I really enjoyed like the kind of the torment between the two sides, you know. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you have Icarus who is, and and honestly, man, like Icarus, you know, has a really good point. You know, he's he wants to sac basically sac you know be with the actual celestial mission, sacrifice planet Earth because. By sacrificing planet Earth, you continue to have that cycle of destruction and creation, which eventually spawns off thousands upon thousands of planets. You know, so he's trying to save existence, you know, whereas the other school of thought, you know, they've fallen in love with planet Earth. You know, we've had families on planet Earth, which that was I loved. Um, uh, what's it? Pathos? What's, what's his name again? What, what is it? Fastos. Fastos. I loved his story and how he had the family on on Earth. You know, how he's, you know, he's lived an Earth, Earthling life. And he's, you know, created so much here. He doesn't want to destroy that. You know, same with some of the other characters. They've built lives and 
they've fallen in love with Earth and they don't want to see it destroyed. Um, so I, I, I loved that kind of, you know, two sides of the same coin philosophy. And honestly, you know, by the end of the movie, I still, you know, I, I can't tell you who was right because, you know, Icarus, yes, he wanted Earth needed to be destroyed, but he was trying to save existence, you know? I mean, you know, in a sense, you know, you can look at it and say, you know, saving existence is pretty heroic, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I loved that. I loved that that take on the, the two sides of the characters. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I thought it was cool. Um, to me, the thing I think that turned the tide was when Ajax was, I think she was down for the mission until she saw how heroic Iron Man and the Avengers were by bringing everyone back. When she seen that, that made her say, I can't do this mission anymore. Like when I looked at Selma Hayek and that, or Ajax, her, as she's talking to Icarus and she's like, with one snap of her finger, they brought it. She, she was so impressed at what humans could do after seeing all this stuff that humans had done to themselves. She's seen the, the true humanity of humans. And obviously when you see Captain Rogers, who they mentioned in this movie, when they, when they, they brought up Iron Man, those two story arcs alone d- d- had to impress you. And to me, that changed her mind. And so um, I don't think there was a wrong answer here. I think it was only, yeah. um, hey, it's, it's, you know what? I see it like the vaccine. You take it if you feel you need to take it. If you don't, you don't feel you need to take it. You do what's best for you. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a cool take on it for sure. I actually didn't see it coming. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't looking for it to be a murder mystery either. <laughs> so that was kind of cool as well. Um, and yeah. before, but I will say this, though. And I, said, I, don't know if I, said, I don't know if I said this in my review or not. But what I thought was interesting was they actually made Thanos look like an even more of a, a good guy because he, because of him snapping half the planet away, it delayed their destruction. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And we don't actually know if Thanos knew about it, but I would I would imagine he would have to know something because of the because the post credit scene introduced two new character three new characters into the MCU, one by voice, the other two by you actually seen them. Uh, do you want to get into that as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one thing that I thought was interesting that would be cool as uh, a cool thing to, or I don't know if it's a plot hole or what. Uh, if if you if you want to talk about a, a plot hole that I think that there's there. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I was it, I was listening to a, a, a podcast or a, a movie review of a uh, of uh, of Eternals in. Um, John 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 Campy. I don't, I don't know if you ever. I've heard of him. him or, I've never heard of yeah, him. Yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, so I was listening to one of his reviews, and um, he noticed, which I thought was a pretty interesting point. You know how um, celestials? I mean, not not celestials. Eternals. You know, were ordered to not involve themselves in any kind of human Earth matters. Yes. You know that that's basically the reason why they said that. Which is bullshit. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's you know they say that's the reason why they didn't interfere with you know the whole Thanos you know Blitzkrieg. Um, so, but he mentioned in his podcast, and he you know which was a good point by Thanos having this mission to you know in a snap kill half of the entire popula- po- population. 
what isn't that a direct interference with like the Eternals mission to keep the earth thriving with bustling with people so that they have enough energy to summon the celestial from the core of the earth. So like the whole Thanos thing, uh, you know, looking back and thinking about a little bit more in depth, like I feel like that was a direct effect on the Eternals and their whole mission. Because if, you know, Thanos snaps, he kills half the entire population, which like you just said, you know, delays the whole uh, celestial uh, summoning. So I don't understand, you know, thinking of thinking about it like that, it makes it a little more fishy where it's like, okay, that whole line about how they shouldn't, that's why they didn't interfere with Thanos because it wasn't a direct matter. Uh, actually, it was an, almost an exactly direct matter mm-hmm. as we, you know, as you just pointed out too, like, you know, Thanos affected it so harshly. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I just, I just wanted to mention that and see what you thought about it no i'm so pretty much uh, me personally i have faith in i have faith in feige and i believe that the lack of explanation we got for certain things in this movie we're gonna get later on i truly believe with the addition of eros who is thanos's brother who was introduced in one of the post credit scenes i believe we're gonna get the explanation of why they truly did not get involved because by that point in time they were all still split up with the exception of icarus and um ajax and so to me i feel like there was more to that because yeah i get you, you can you can sit here and say druig and fastos it made sense for them to not be involved in anything but the other ones had no real reason to not involve themselves into it right and so i i feel like we haven't heard the end of that explanation because i me personally my prediction i've only said this in private i've actually never said this on the show is that they were scared of Thanos once they realized what he was going for. And I don't think any of them knew they could... I don't think any of them felt comfortable that they could beat him. Because the one thing that was established in MCU canon, air quotes, is that Thanos is more um, vicious without the gauntlet than he is with it. Um, and if he wasn't... Well, he wasn't willing to kill the Avengers with the, with the gauntlet. But who's to say that if the Eternals, who I would have to imagine he knows about... And Josh Brolin has been begging to get back into MCU as Thanos. I would imagine they're going to do some type of flashback or something. I think they were fearful of him. And even if they came together and they could beat him together, I don't think they felt confident enough to do it. That's just my prediction. But no, it's a huge plot hole. And and so we'll see. But I do have faith that they will talk more about it. But since I already said this thing, how do you feel about the, the God of Love? being introduced into the MCU in the way he was introduced. Yeah, I don't know much about him at all. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. Like I, I think I mentioned before, I, I really don't know much about uh, the Eternals and, and, you know, kind of that celestial uh, god type of lore mm-hmm. in Marvel. Um, I'm more more familiar with, with new gods and, and, and DC's side of that. Um but the whole introduction, it, I, I I liked it. Um, but Pip Pip is the little troll yeah, Pip, kind of yeah. guy's name. Uh, yeah. Patton Oswalt uh, yep. voicing. I liked that. You know, I, I, like I told you before, I love seeing those the the the, the, the non human creature characters. I'm a sucker for those. So so when he popped up, kind of out his little boom to 
YouTube, air quotes of sorts, uh, which is obviously a DC reference, not Marvel, but right, um, same thing, whatever. I I, th- I thought I thought that was cool, and how he was, you know, kind of being being uh, uh, Star Fox's uh, hype man, um, brother of Thanos is what they, which when I'm assuming maybe you know for sure that um, they share one parent. Uh, yes. Uh, Eros and um, and and Thanos is is yep is, is that they right? do yep yep they do yeah um so and I take it you know he's he looks like he's there to help right now but I'm assuming he's going to be some kind of villainous threat I don't know how they're um, going to do it um, you know what in the comics he's just a playboy he literally is just a whore um and I don't I, knowing MCU they could change him to be a villain. But for some reason, I really believe, like they're gonna like since Guardians of the Galaxy is gonna be done after this third movie, which they've said all everyone said that this is the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I would have to imagine they're gonna kind of take their place in the MCU. So I, you could see either way. I won't say, hey, for sure this is not a thing. But if I had to put money on it, I truly think this is him trying to help them. Because for the record, for those of you who have not seen it, you guys want to know, if you, you've, if you've not listened to the last episode where you do and listen to it, um, at the end of it, Haramasha, Har- Har- or whatever his name is, the Celestial, he picks up uh, Cersei, Sprite, Kingo, and Fastos, and he says, you guys have faith in these people, we'll see if uh, if their faith is warranted, and he essentially steal- he kidnaps them um, for their betrayal of him, and so now, once... Uh, Druig and I can't remember the the the, the deaf lady's uh, character. Thank you, um, and sorry, yeah. and Angela Jolie's character. It's just them left, and they don't know. We've lost context. So they they went into space, so they're thinking about they have to go back to Earth. But then Eros comes and says, "Hey, your friends are in a lot of trouble, but I know where they are." I truly believe. I'm not saying he won't sell them out, but I believe that Celestial has something of his that he wants to get back. And if mm-hmm. I take a guess. It's got to be a woman. <laughs> so, um, to me, that's yeah, why I think the ultimate like, goal is. Yeah, he seems like he could fit in with the Guardians. Perfectly. Uh, may, maybe not, like, fit in on the team permanently, but, like, be a, a, a big member. part in a movie. You know? Right. Him, him and Pip. That's why I was like, oh, cool. You know, I thought it might have been some kind of Guardians reference or that. Uh, you know, something like that. But, um but yeah, so I guess when you say this is the next Guardians movie is going to be the last, that kind of that kind of saddens me because I love the Guardians. Right, right. So I, I here's my thing. I'm pre- there. They've also been rumors to that they're going to do a Ravengers movie spinoff. So there's going to be plenty more James Gunn in the MCU and things like that. So you'll still see Chris Pratt and pop up. I'm pretty. I'm 100 sure of that. Um, but for to but to me, I feel like the reason why I don't think it's going to be a backstab is because he has his his own horse in the race and um he's also been known to kind of be a little have a little loki in him where he he doesn't necessarily betray you but he has his own hidden objective but he uses you to get to it and using to figure out how you can get to your own goals while helping him and um i will say this also the one thing they kept true to before we get to the final reveal because even though it's been out there um they kept true to the comics of uh, Dane Whitman, Dan Whitman, uh, becoming Black Knight, obviously, but his connection to Cersei. I was really impressed that they kept that in. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's straight off the panels. 
Um, for those of you who don't know, Dan Woman will be the Black Knight. That's what the knife was. But the thing I was impressed about the most was hearing the first cameo voice. First cameo of fucking Blade in the MCU. Yeah, that, was, that was sick. I'm not going to lie. That was awesome. It's funny because I didn't see it coming. When I heard the voice, I was like, I know that what, voice. What, is, what does he say? He says something like... Are you sure no, you're ready for that, that Mr. Boy. Whitman? Yeah, yeah. When I heard that, I said, I know that voice. I know that voice. And then... Um, a guy next to me was like, whose voice was that? I said, I know that voice. It sounds like, and I said the name of Cottonmouth. So it sounds like Cottonmouth from Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Cage, she's like, Cottonmouth. Was, Are you sure? Like, that sounds just like, so we, in the theater, we're actually, we go to my Netflix, we play a, a script. I was like, that's Maharsha Island. That's fucking Blade. Me and this yeah. dude, we, we party. We, we were high-fiving each other. Like, people thought we were fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> but it was still cool because to me, they... Now, they aren't connected in the Midnight Suns comic books, but they are connected on a team called 911, uh, which is a very, very obscure team. But obviously, they're going to build to a Midnight Suns thing. But the fact that they introduced Blade so quickly, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, yeah, no, neither, neither did I. But God, when, when, it, when it happened and like the correlation he might have with, with Black Knight, I was like, okay. I'm in for like, it. I, I, you know, uh, freaking Kit Harrington wielding like this crazy dark sword next to Blade, like just whooping the ass, like, dude, I'm down. Right, and so the last thing before we move on to our main topic, because I think I, I, I don't know when they're gonna introduce. I know Feige is super excited. You can see when he introduced Mahershala Ali as Blade, how excited he was to have Mahershala Ali on his team, right? Like officially on the MCU team. Freaking Mahershala Ali, like one of the best actors right now. Like that is, oh, dude, right. Such a good fit. And the fact that he called Mahershala Ali called, said, "Hey, I want this role. I need you to give it to me." Obviously, he's gonna get. He said he's one. Of, he's one of the highest actors out there right now. And to me personally, I don't know when they're gonna introduce him, but the fact that they, that they MCU did something with him they've never done with any other character. And maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think they did something with him they've never done. They've never introduced someone like this at all. I think they're going yeah, to. I don't think so. Yeah, I think the only semi kind of one was remember when they revealed. I don't know if it was. I think it was when they revealed uh, Thanos through like kind of like that dark silhouette. That's um, was at the end of the first Avengers, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, but see, I don't think that was premature, though. I think we had. I think we, even though we saw what we were building to, I think there were enough pieces in that Josh Whedon first Avengers movie where you didn't know who they were talking to. So I think they had to reveal something, right? But to me, they've never blown their load. Like they've always been like, like to me, if there's such things as Minutemen and sex, which there is, obviously, they, these guys are like they're stamina men. They're going for two fucking hours just pounding people. <laughs> You know, like to me, that's just what I feel when it comes to MCU. They just keep so many things, but they blew, they like, they literally blew their load with this guy, which obviously they're happy to have him. But I would have to imagine Blade's gonna make this. I don't, I have not seen, I don't, or excuse me, I have seen, but I don't remember the movies that come out next year. I think it's Doctor Strange. Um, yeah, I mean, I could even see Blade coming up in that Doctor Strange. Uh, I can see uh, that too. Multi, what is it? Multiverse of Madness. I yeah, I could, too. I could see him like popping up somewhere in there. I mean, even if it's quick. Know, I, me personally, I just feel like, but by them doing that, we're gonna see 
Mahershala Ali at some point in time next year. I, ha- I would just have to imagine they would. And to me, you know what I could see him in? And, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think they're going to need all-star power they can to get that movie off the ground. Is Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Like, to me, I know it's been a hectic production and they've shut it down and Letty Wright has uh, been injured and everything like that. But they already, it's already confirmed that they're introducing Riri Hart, uh, Riri in that movie, um, Lionheart, or not Lionheart, uh, Ironheart. Thank you. And to me, I think I could see him just, even if it's just like something quick in a, in a post credit scene or something, I just think we're going to see his presence next year because they just have never done anything like that. And to me, it was just, it was a good surprise. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, Thinking about it, the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, Sam Raimi directing it, I could totally see like some kind of you know Blade thing in there with a with this you know Sam Raimi twist on it, like mm-hmm. like I could totally see that. And plus, it's a horror film. Blade's a fucking exactly, horror character. Exactly, like exactly, man. Like imagine, imagine. I I can't even imagine that. Like that that would, if if it was like a Sam Raimi horror movie blade film like holy shit that would probably be like these like the most anticipated marvel movie ever for me right <laughs> right so but anyways to me i, I want to touch those topics i know we always, we always go long in these, in these shows but it's always good fun people always they love it um but no I, I do want to hit the topic and it's not gonna be a long topic but i think it'll be a fun topic um so we got so the prices of when you go to conventions the prices that you pay for autographs right so I've heard a number of people complain. And before I, we get to you and how we got on it, I had a situation two years ago, LA Comic Con. It wasn't a situation, but it was a, I, I, was, I was invited to go to LA Comic Con. Uh, it was in September in 2019, obviously before the world went to hell. And so I went, and so I was exhausted because I at the time I was still working at this job. And I went that morning after getting off of work, Got to, as soon as I got to LA, I Ubered right to the convention, got in. So I did my thing. Blah, blah, blah. So then I started looking around and I realized, holy crap, there's a ton of people here. So there was Jim Starlin there. There was Rob Liefeld there. Um, so I said, I got to get these guys autographs. So I'm in line for Jim Starlin and he's talking to everybody. His line is long, but it's only long because he's talking to everybody. So like most people are just knocking him in, knocking him. Hey, welcome. Thanks. Bye. Get the fuck out of my face. You know, Jim Starlin's actually talking to people. His daughter's there talking to people. So it was just a chill experience. So we get up there. So I get up to the front. He signs like two or three things for me. Uh, it was a couple of Shrunk Chi books, I think. And if I find out as I'm in line, you can't get any of Jim Starlin's stuff CGC um, approved because he had a falling out with the CGC. Um, and, and so he just doesn't want anything to do with them. He believes that they, they from what I was told, he believes they're hacks. Um, and, and, and that's why he only charges $5 for an autograph. So I was like, cool, whatever. I don't care. You know, when, if I go to conventions and I'm, I know I'm gonna get autographs, which is not every convention, but sometimes I go to conventions knowing I'm gonna get an autograph. Like, uh, three years ago, I went to Atlanta Comic-Con. I was, I was booked to go and, and by knew I was going to take a, like a half an hour break to go see Kevin Conroy. Who, who, who doesn't want to see the fucking Batman, right? Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I'm hearing these stories. So now I go to Rob Liefeld's line to get some stuff autographed. And like people are, comp- well, I mean, people are complaining in his line. They're complaining like a lot because like people now are finding out his prices and he was pretty pricey. He was, a, 
I believe sixty dollars per autograph. Yeah. And if you got like I think if you spent like one twenty or one fifty, it was one fifty. If you spent one fifty or more, you got a free autograph. It was a Deadpool uh toilet seat autograph or whatever, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um well anyways, I, I'm in line. I don't care. You know, I was gonna get like one thing autographed. No, I got I ended up getting three things autographed only because my brother found out I was in line. He said, You gotta give me something autographed by Rob Liefeld. He's a huge fan. I say, cool, I don't care. Um, but like the, the the amount of complaining, like this and this line is longer than Jim Starlin's line. But the amount of complaining I heard for like the, the 45 minutes I was in line was hilarious to me because I'm like, man, like, and I turn, I mean, this guy started talking about that. Like, you, you do know you have every right to not be in this line, right? <laughs> you know, like, you don't have to do, you don't have to suffer with these prices, right? But he, he has a point, though, to where what is good enough? What's not? And you said the same thing. You say, hey, we support you guys every week, every month with your comics. You should make your autographs more accessible. And, and yeah. I won't say who you use for, I don't know if you want to use the name, but I never thought of it in that regard because I don't usually get comic book creators autographs. Like I can tell you right now, the only comic book creator autographs I've ever gotten was Rob Liefeld, Jim Starlin, Chris Claremont, um, and that's it. And Chris Claremont was like, I think ten dollars an autograph, and mm-hmm. and so I haven't had that experience. When I get autographs from people, it's usually like uh, people like I don't know. Um, like Tom Welling, who was Superman. I, I'll, I, I get people's autographs like that, so I kind of expect to pay that range because I want their autograph, you know? But, and also, I'm very particular about whose autograph I get. There are some people who I've met who they have a bunch of autographs. They, they just have them. They're just hoarders, <laughs> you know? But why? Do, what made you start to feel that way Cause you 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 made you were making a good point about it. like you were texting back and forth. You're like, nah, man, and then like you, it was clear you were upset. Which, but like, what made what what triggered this in you though? If you don't mind telling me. No, so I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's really two camps of thought for this. I mean, on one hand, so so a figure like 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 Jim Lee, you know, Jim Lee, um, he goes to pretty pretty you know pretty much the, all the all the big conventions. Um, I didn't know he, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as far as I can tell, he's usually at you know the uh, New York City Comic Cons, the C two E twos, the Emerald City Comic Cons, those kind of shows. Um, but so he charges, I think it's sixty bucks it per 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 signature. Um, so there's there's and I understand his side of things. You know, his his side of things. He sees people who go and get their autograph, his autograph, he sees it on the side of, oh, I'm going to get this autograph, get it CG-seed, and then try to flip this book on eBay at a high value at like 200, 300 mm-hmm. bucks, whatever. So he's, you know, from, from his perspective, he's, he's basically saying like, hey, I get a 20% cut of what you're going to sell this book at, you know? And that's, and, 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 it, and it makes sense, you know, because, you know, the reason that book is going to sell so high is because, you know, he's such a, you know, legendary artist and, you know, he deserves to get some kind of cut of that. Whereas, you know, giving his signature away for free or for five bucks, you know, he's, he's, he's losing on that end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, so I understand that side of things, but then there's, to me, there's the other side of the camp where it's, you have 
incredible current creators. Um, so a couple guys that, you know, I, I follow their work all the time and, you know, I've got stuff signed from them. Uh, the last time I saw them was at uh, WonderCon in 2019. Um, but Tom King, a, a guy like Tom King and uh, Mitch uh, Gerard. So, you know, they're two pretty much all-stars in the game right now. They're, they, they usually work together. Tom King's, you know, huge writer. Uh, Mitch is a, a, a huge artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're... Their 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 school of thought is so Tom he will give you he will sign two books for free no matter what and then any books after two he will sign them for either five a piece or ten a piece mm. so I you know in but I, his school of thought and their school of thought is basically saying hey if you're an uber fan of us of me or Mitch or whoever else you know a, a, a lot of guys kind of uh, employ this kind of same, um, uh, you know, formula to things. But you know, hey, you know, if you're a huge fan of us, you've you follow our work, you buy our books all every week or, or every two weeks, every month. You buy our you know collected volumes whenever they come out every six months. If you're a huge fan of us, but you know maybe you don't have the cash to get mm. an autograph, or you know you don't want to shovel up another you know fifty, sixty, hundred bucks to get an autograph. Hey, if you want some signed, we'll sign two for free, man. Like, thanks for buying our work. Like, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, if you really want to get a whole bunch of stuff signed, maybe for those guys who are flippers, you know, the guys who go on eBay and stuff, who are willing to give up that extra twenty bucks or whatever, fifty bucks to get additional stuff signed, then okay, we're gonna charge you for that. We get a cut of whatever you're gonna sell that for. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're if you're a big fan, we'll sign a book or two for free. And, you know, I, I, I really, you know, for me, obviously, I'm not a huge, you know, DC creator or anything yet, knock on wood. <laughs> but, yeah, um, good point, yeah. you know, for, from my perspective, I've, I see that school of thought and I'm very appreciative of it. You know, me being a consumer, me being a weekly, monthly reader, I, you know, I'm buying your books, you know, four bucks at a time. Every time, twice a month, I'm getting those collected versions for 20, 30, 40 bucks. Mm. You know, by me coming from Houston, Texas, all the way out to a show in WonderCon, you know, Anaheim, California, and bringing those, lugging those books with me there, and you being like, hey man, thanks so much for supporting my work. You're the reason, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to create comics and, you know, make a living with it. Here is a two books, a book, one or two books I'll sign for free. I appreciate it, man. You know, and I've, I'm really appreciative of that. And I'm sure, you know, someone like yourself who's, you know, an avid reader or, you know, collector just as I am, you know, I'm sure that, you know, that's, you know, you would be pretty appreciative of that, you know. So, and that's that's kind of what kind of sets me off sometimes a little bit. And I know that's probably, I shouldn't be getting set off by that, but it's just kind of like, you know, you know, you look at somebody like Jim Lee, legendary creator. Right. Basically, he's the CEO of publishing or something like that for DC. He's very, very high in the company. Probably makes a dang good, decent salary because I don't know if you follow Jim Lee on Instagram, but he's always posting like, oh, I'm in the Bahamas this weekend for a nice little giveaway. <laughs> Next weekend, he'll be like, oh, you know, chilling over here and, uh, you know, uh, 
Cabo. It's like, dude, that's awesome. You know, you've worked for all that. You know, you you broke off created image with, you know, all your 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 co-founders and, you know, legendary Batman artists, X-Men artists, everything. And then for him still to go to a show and be like, hey, like, you know, you want a signature from me? $60, mm. you know, whereas a guy like, you know, other guys, they'll they'll sign your books for free, man. Legendary creative, well, you know, awesome creators, they'll sign your books for free, you know, if you buy, you know, a trade from them for 30 bucks or something. You know, if there's just, you know, it just kind of irritates me a little bit, but I understand from his perspective because right. his stuff is being sold for thousands of dollars, most likely, you mm-hmm. know? Um, you know, all the remark stuff he does. Um, so he wants to get, you know, a cut of that, of that, of that sell that you're going to make with his signature. But for me, who I don't flip books, I, I, I've never CGC books. I'm there to get an autograph by someone's work that I've loved, you know, and for me to have that sentimental value with, you know, my favorite creator touched this book, signed this book, created this book. Like that's, that's where it is for me. So, you know, there's two schools of thought, mm-hmm. obviously me being in the position that I am now, you know, I, I, I really, I'm so appreciative of guys like, you know, the Tom Kings. And like I mentioned before, because there's a lot of guys that will sign a book or two for free. Um, because they know you're an avid reader, you know, and those, you know, those guys that will, you know, that, you know, read the books all the time, they're the ones that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, enjoy or very appreciative of those, those kind of, you know, sentimental value type of things in their business model. Because at the end of the day, they're still making money. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Because, you know, me, I love Tom King. I'm going to bring 10 books to get signed, you know, uh, you know, I'll get those two books for free and then I'll give you the 40 bucks to sign the other ones, you know, but it's just the, the concepts behind it. If, if, if that makes sense, I don't know how you feel about, about, you know, kind of what I just said, but yeah. So here's the thing, right? So it takes a, it, trust me, dude, it takes a lot for me to, for, to bother me. It takes a lot for me to rant. Like I'm very, very chill. Like I, I matter of fact, I told you this before we were on air. I was in Dallas last week. And I saw my cousin for the first time in a couple of years. And last time I saw him, um, his mom, had, I, I saw him and I saw his mom, my aunt, like she was in really bad shape from cancer or whatever. And I was, the only reason I was back home in Louisiana is because I got invited to uh, Louisiana Comic Con. So I was, I was able to have, to be, really be proud of myself, getting invited to um, my hometown Comic Con as well as seeing my aunt. And I didn't know this, but two days later she passed away so i was actually able to see her before she passed away so i was super happy to see him whatever and i got out the car and i, I and he was, I was like man i'm excited to see you and like my cousin like two like, like half an hour later when we we're talking at lunch he was like yeah dude like when you said you were excited i was like is that your excitement like, it just was zoom so like so <laughs> the point of that story is it takes a lot to like make me rant about stuff so you're right one there are two worlds of thought on that and I actually never thought about it from the perspective you gave from the artist perspective that does yeah. use uh, that does use the CGC program. So because Jim Lee does use the CGC program heavily, like like they're like apparently um, I didn't know this because I never met him. But and even then, the one time I went to one time I was invited to C2E2, which was in 2020, February 2020, which was right before everything I shut down. Um, I was I wanted to meet him. 
But like I looked online and like the packages to see him were so ridiculous. I was like, all right, I don't want to have to go through this. And then when I went up to like where he was going to be at, uh, the, the person kind of gave me a heads up like, hey, man, you you, you might want to buy one of the packages. Because like just to get his autograph, you're going to be waiting in line for like three hours because a bunch of people bought like the packages to be the first to get in line to meet him. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm going to try to jump down some steps. I'm, I'm good. Um, and by the way, I lied. I actually... Daniel, no, who who was the guy that had the? Do you remember the creator, the the, the Hall of Famer that um, he did the the iconic Green Lantern and uh, Green Arrow comic cover where Speedy's on drugs. What's his name? Uh, Neil Adams. Thank you. I, I met him at C two, so I did get him to autograph that comic book for me. Anyways, I never thought about it from that perspective of these people are gonna flip this because I'm like you. Like, if you ever see, I, I don't know why you would, you wouldn't be in Denver, but, but my wall is filled with nothing but wrestling figures, comic book figures, and like, I, the, the only, I'm, and I'm, I've, I've only been offered two offers on certain things I have autographed, and I just won't budge with them, not because of sentimental value, but because I don't get it for the money, you know, like, the one thing yeah. I, for me personally, if I'm being honest, someone came up to me and wanted my entire collection, and they gave me a, a price. I would probably sell it, except for one thing, and that's my and it's a wrestling uh, thing. But he, it's a Jushin, he's Jushin Thunder Liger. He's a really popular Hall of Famer J- Japanese wrestler. I met him just randomly, and mm-hmm. so what happened with that is I don't, I don't know if I told the story here before, but there was this company called ROH, and they would they were very much a small company, and I used to go to shows in Atlanta. And I was already going to this show to meet one of my favorite wrestlers named Jay Lethal. Well, I'm looking in line, right? And I'm like, I'm talking I, I, I'm, I'm talking to this guy in back of me, which I don't make a habit of doing at these shows. I kind of just get in, get out. And I was like, is that Jushin Liger? And the guy was like, hell yeah. And like, he points to his thigh, no, his thigh, his calf. He has a picture, or, uh, excuse me, a tattoo of Jushin Thunder Liger on his freaking calf. Like uh, the whole body and everything. He was going to then get Jushin Lager to autograph his calf, and he was going immediately afterwards to have it tattooed into his skin. Super fan, clearly, right? So, at the time, I didn't really make a lot of money. So, I only brought money to see to get Jay Lethal's autograph. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. I won't have the money to do it. And the guy's like, no, dude. Give me your number. You pay me back when you can, but you have to get his autograph. And he's right. You have to. Like, he, This guy's very rarely stateside. So I was able to get his autograph thing to this guy. I paid him back like the next week. Anyways, the point is, that's probably the only autograph I wouldn't give away. Otherwise, I just don't care to go through the hassle of going on eBay or anything. But you're right. Some people buy these books and these toys for freaking hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I never thought of it from that perspective. Even with that being said, (laughs) I still think... You have every right to feel the way you feel. The same way I think other people had the right. I wasn't knocking those people in the line for Rob Liefeld. I thought it was funny just because I never thought about it. Because, like, I always give my autograph for free. You know, not always. But, I mean, like, some people, like, force me to, like, charge them. Some people like, no, dude, like, you need to charge me. This needs to be a thing, right? And I'm just not at that level yet where I'm comfortable with being like, hey, man, 10 bucks now. You know, I'm just not there. But... Even with that being said, you still have every right to feel how you feel because, as you said, you still go to these cons. You you buy your plane ticket. You got to buy a badge to get in. You got to then buy the autograph. Then you have to go through all the the human. It's it's literally a human warehouse in those comic cons. So you have to yeah. then go through all those things 
just to meet this guy for maybe 30 seconds. And if he's a nice he or if he or she is a nice person, you have a great experience. If you don't, that sticks with you. And now you've given him more of your money. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, and 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 at some points, you know, I'm it's so hard for me to decipher how I feel on it because you know, like you mentioned Neil Adams. You know, Neil Adams is another legendary creator, you know, getting up there in age. And, you know, the guy is trying to set, you know, set his, you know, foundation in stone, maybe for his family or for, you know, whatever he's got got going on. You know, so paying 50 bucks for, uh, you know, a signed book for Neil Adams, like, I don't know. It's, it, you know, it's you know what I'm saying? Like, it, no, it's, it's, it's so hard to decipher how I feel because on, on one camp, like, you know, me being the consumer, I'm like so appreciative, you know, a book or two for free. Cool. Anything after you pay, like awesome. You know, like if I want to get one thing signed, I can get one thing signed. Right. So, you know, but then on the other hand, like I see, you know, guys like these legends, like, you know, I look up to, you know, a, a guy like a, a Jim Lee or, you know, a Neil Adams or, you know, any of these other kind of legendary guys, I look up to these these guys more than I would for, you know, say, uh, I don't know, just the random, I get you, saying, uh, right. you know, random, randoms, uh, random person. celebrity, you know, like, you know, a random celebrity, you know, you, you pay 50, 60 bucks for a signature and it's kind of like, okay, cool. You know, that's, that makes sense. But then, you know, you know, and then I'm looking at a guy like, you know, uh, Neil Adams, who's, who's charging the same thing. And I, sh- I should be looking at it the same way, but I think the reason why, and you know, this is just me kind of talking through it. It's because, you know, such different mediums, you know, I feel like comics, especially, especially nowadays are just such like a niche medium mm. and there's such a sm- smaller community on guys who follow comics and who know who Neil Adams is and, you know, who read these graphic novels, these collected versions of you know green lantern and batman and all these dc uh you know legendary works you know it just feels like it's just such more of like a niche thing and you know for a creator to be like you know we'll give you you know you buy this book i'll sign it for free you know it it's like it it feels like i don't know it's more of like a tightly knit community that's why i'm more akin to you know, to being a little bit more for the fan. Hey, Nick, can I cut you off really quick? What's that? Can I cut you off really fast? Yeah, yeah. You know why you feel that way differently, in my opinion? Now that I'm remembering my experience with Neil Adams, which I'm glad I remembered I brought up C2T, which was completely by accident. Mm. The experience is different. It's less transactional. Like when I was at, like when I went to C2E2, I was there for work. I just have to meet a bunch of different people. I, I met that many people at that at that event that I forget how many people like like that I, that I actually met. But I remember when I went to Neil Adams' um, thing, right? And so it's him there with his wife, his stand. His, first of all, his stand was freaking huge, right? And so yeah. I'm sitting there, and he was talking to these two young kids for maybe 20 minutes, just encouraging yeah. them. And uh-huh. he didn't have a line at all. Once again, no one really knew who he was. And that's not disrespect. Which It's just what goes with what you said. He's an older yeah. artist, you know. And I remember this vividly that the wife was like trying to knock him. And I looked at his wife and I just like kind of waved her off. Like, I'm good. And she's like, you, she, she mouthed to me, you sure? I was like, 
because he was encouraging them. He was just he 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 if if I was the kind of person, I'm a very shy person. Not many people believe that because I have this podcast and other things. But when I go to meet these celebrities, there's been times where I've tried to meet celebrities. I've true. Oh, I met. I tried. Oh, I met celebrities, and those celebrities have tried to hold a convert like a full fledged conversation because I'm not a fan. That's like over the top asking to do anything. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get the fuck out of here. Bye. <laughs> you know. Um, but I remember him talking to these fans, and I was like, holy crap! Like this dude's just really encouraging. But it was less transactional to the point where, like, even when I handed my money after he signed, I think he signed two books for me, one or two books. Um, I don't even remember the price. It could have been 50 bucks. I don't know. But whatever the price was, it didn't feel like a transaction. It felt like an actual meet and greet. Uh As opposed to when you have these things where, hey, Jim Lee's packages are 200 for this. And to me... You might as well just go with the higher, higher package. When you look at these Jim Lee packages, it's uh-huh. like two hundred twenty-five dollars. You get the full, you get like three different autographs plus five other autographs and stuff like that. So to me, you might as well do that. But it, it's once again, it feels transactional because how much time do you actually spend with him? Like I've been told yeah. mixed reviews, you know. But to yeah, me, that's I mean, why. Yeah, I mean, I've got one, one or two things signed from Jim Lee. I can't remember, but it's very just like. Go up there. Oh, hey, man. Thanks, man. Cool. Signed by. You know. And yeah, I, th- I think you're. I, th- I think you're right on the on the on the money there with Neil Adams being more of like more inviting. You know, more conversational. And whereas you know, maybe I'm more willing to you know go with a, 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 a meeting a creator like that, even though it's you know still high. You know, high. You know, high price point. But you know, at, at, at the end of the day. If I love your work, I'm going to get something signed by you because, you know, that that work, whether it's through the words, the writing or the artwork, you know, that work has, you know, formed me, at, you know, at, at, at some point in my reading career, you know, so like I'm, I'm going to get it signed. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, that's such that's such a really good point that you made that because, yeah, Neil Adams when I saw he was at he comes to, he came to Comic Palooza once over here in Houston and uh, he was there giant setup like you said but yeah he was giving everybody the time of day. Um, one other thing that you know I guess in you know a guy like Jim Lee's favor is you know maybe putting these high price points limits his line you mm. know whereas whereas you know he's a huge creator to com you know to comics fans so. You know, if he put his stuff at 10, 10, 15 His line bucks, will be never ending. You're his right. His line will be out circling the convention center, you know? You know, by him putting it at 60 bucks, maybe it, you know, cuts it into half. It's, um, it's funny you said that, I dude. Say, it's funny you said say, that. But I you know, when I was at WonderCon for the Tom Kings and the guys that I was getting signed for, like, I was waiting two hours in these lines, you know? So, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> but see, but you know what? But see, the difference is, and for the record, you keep saying Tom King. For those of you who don't know, that's the son of Stephen King. Um, fun facts. Um, I think when you, you, said, you said not the son, right? I, he is the son of Stephen King, isn't he? No, 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 not at all. What? I, we're, I think uh, I'm gonna do my research because I could have swore when I met him. Yeah, I, I, I think he is. But anyways, we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, um, but. No, I, even, even with you saying that, their lines are pretty long. I think the problem is they're also still fan-friendly. 
So like they might their lines might be long, but they also probably don't have a setup to where the one thing I've noticed, right? Especially after my experience at Indiana Comic Con, right? When you are a air quotes celebrity, they move you from place to place. And like really it's on your time. But like if you want to be there all day, you can, right? But mm-hmm. for the most part, you don't have to, so you kind of like get away for an hour. But then that hour kind of becomes an hour and a half. So to me, I feel I feel like when artists like Stephen, not Stephen, Tom King and Chris Claremont and them go there, they don't want to go in. They're just gonna sit there all day. They're gonna have their wife or whoever bring them sandwiches. Like I feel like it's a different dynamic with them. Like with Jim Lee, I think he can only take so many people. Um, maybe because he is such, he's, maybe because he is a certain level of popularity. Like when I was at New York Comic Con a few years ago, um, Todd McFarlane was there, and uh-huh. he specifically said to me, his exact words were. I can only take so much of people like because you get so many different kinds of people. And he's like, when, when you have the regular fans, like you have like two regular fans, but they have six straight fans who need that attention or it's that experience is terrible for them. And he's like, I, I try to give myself to everybody, but those six fans I get in a row drain me, which is fair. You know, yeah. um, it's kind of like, damn, like it's like, it's, I, I had, this, I had this conversation with someone one time, right? I don't know if you would know. Um, I was fucking with Michael Ro- Rosenbaum. I, uh, he played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Um, we had met at a convention a couple years ago, and he's a really nice guy. And we actually met under just randomly. My panel was like right before his. Why they did that, I don't fucking know. I mean, like, <laughs> but I, but um, as he's coming up, he's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here early. I was like, yeah, like, what are you doing? You're a celebrity. You're supposed to be late. Thanks for ruining my panel. He was like, we, we started joking. And he, but he had made a, he made a similar comment. He was like, dude, like those times when my line is empty, the reason why he, he said, the reason why I can be at my table all day in my booth all day is because my line eventually gets empty. I'm usually get able to get people in and out, right? But then my line gets empty for maybe about 30, 40 minutes. So I have that breather. But people like, freaking, when I was at freaking Denver Comic Con, Michael Rooker, who played Yondu, his line was never ending. Um, Tom yeah. Welling's line was never ending. Who else was there? There was one person's line. I can't. I can't say his real name, and I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad. But the uh, guy who the guy who played Gus Fring. I can't. I can't pronounce his real name. Uh, I think it's and Anarlo. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito or something like Thank that. Thank you. His yeah. line was so long and ridiculous they li- they they literally had to go up to like half the like like right in the middle of the line they counted the line twice and i was watching this because i wasn't in line i was working they went counted the line twice it got right in the middle of half of it. boom hey you guys we're gonna give you these co- these um these papers you come back at this time you're first no matter what yeah and i was like i've seen that before but it was so ridiculous to me because i was like how, how yeah you see yeah you're seeing green but you also have to be seeing red because you're kind of like what how do i deal with this you know yeah. that's just a different yeah, thing no, totally. so so no I, I do get it and when you said that honestly that might be jim lee's thing and and honestly my, my point in the top mcfarland storyline was not just to drop a name but to say hey he's the same way he says his price point is that way to make sure the hardcore fans get it but at the same time it kind of keeps other fans away and he says, yeah, I, I don't want to lose fans, but at the same time, I don't want to be here all day. Like, they, they really don't, dude. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, like I said, man, it's, I totally get it, and I, I understand their sides, man, because 
you know, you know, these, these guys, I I guess maybe my, I don't know, maybe the, my, my, my dismay with it a little bit is because, um, maybe because they're still so active in the, Mm. in the comics community, like Mm. with DC comics or whatever, Marvel's, whatever they're doing. Um, because, you know, at the same time, you know, a guy like us, you know, when Stan Lee was still alive, you know, the guy was, it was 200, 250 bucks to get something signed. It was. Um, it was a lot. You know, but, you know, there's, like, how do I distinguish a guy like Stan Lee from a guy like Jim Lee right now? You know, I think the reason why is because Jim Lee is still so active and, like, doing covers all the time. Right, right. Um, you know, you know, Mar- you know, DC covers, and he doesn't really do much interior work anymore, but, you know, he does from occasionally, occasionally, time to time. But maybe it's because, you know, he's just so still active in it that I kind of I kind of feel like, you know, Jim Lee is still like an, you know, an active artist you know, who's who's still, you know, working on books and doing current books and this and that. Whereas like a guy like Jim Lee and a guy like Neil Adams, you know, they're more and more or less retired, you know, stapled as, you know, Hall of Fame legendary comics creators. Right. And maybe that's why I'm more, you know, predisposed to be like, oh, yeah. Stanley, I'll give you two hundred dollars to sign this book, you know, or whatever. Um, and maybe that's that's the thing. But you know, the thing is, like, at the end of the day, like, I respect Jim Lee entirely. And if people are willing to give him sixty dollars for per signature, and that line is out the freaking door, do it. <laughs> you know, he. You know, I. I you know, I understand why he does it, man. I mean, it's 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 money, man. It's 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 money in the bank right there, and you know, it's 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 hard for me to get mad at that. But at the same time, you know, when I see other creators that I love kind of doing a pretty awesome service by, you know, like I said, the kind of the formula that I said before, um, it's so appreciative, you know, for 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 guys like me who are in the comic shop every week and reading books you know, every day, every other day, you know, so it's a, it's definitely an interesting subject. It it is. And to wrap it up from my perspective, I get both sides to me. I also try to remember the deals that you have to cut as a talent. Like to me, when I see these Jim Lee packages, these Todd McFarlane packages, et cetera, et cetera, they're clearly not seeing all that money. They clearly have to break off the CGC a certain amount. Um, They clearly have to break off certain people, some. So yeah, even though they're seeing a good amount of that dough, it's still deals they've made in order to make honestly their life easier. Because when I think about it, like even as you were talking, I read the Jim Lee package for Emerald City Comic Con. Really, it's making everything a one-stop shop. So essentially, he's not he's going to be there. Like usually, when you got to get something autographed, you got to go downstairs. You got to get whoever to sign your stuff. Then you got to find a CGC person immediately because you can't leave that day and come back and get. You have to do it that day. Technically, air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. But it seems like everyone's going to be there at your leisure. And so it's like one of those things where you. Have to, I, I try to remember stuff like that when you on these things. But at the same time. I just these are things I don't think about on a normal basis. But at the same time, for as many autographs as, as as I have, I truly never just thought about it. I've thought, you know what? If you feel like this is your worth, go for it. You know, I and part of me wishes like it's funny how like I can work a regular job, and I'll sit there like I, I have nose rings as you know, Nico, and like I, I, I when I had a regular job, 
I was interviewing and people were like, hey, just so you know, you can't wear nose rings here. Just so you know, it costs $70,000 a year for me to take one nose piercing out. So I'm not working this job for minimum wage and that, then you got control of your part of my life. That's not going to happen. Like, But when it comes to this stuff, as I'm still, even though I'm six, five and a half years in, I'm still new. So like, I still don't have that confidence to know what I what I am worth here, which is unfortunate, but I'm going to figure it out. We will figure it out. We will be working for these majors all the time we will be the people in 20 years where we'll have we'll, we'll be hearing podcasts and be like man fuck nico like he, he charged me 40 dollars for a comic book <laughs> you know so it's one of those things where it's just like when you're when you're in that position you know you want to be as friend, fan friendly as possible and to me i think that is jim lee's version of being fan friendly is saying hey you can yeah. pay sixty dollars for this, or you can get this full blown package. It's it's such a ridiculous pack. Matter of fact, when I do the open to this show, and you guys hear, I'm gonna break down the entire packages list that he has, so you guys can hear what he does, what he has. But to me, that that when I look at it from that perspective, man, you're you're just kind of hanging. It's it, from what I, from what I've gathered, I, I actually did do my research. I talked to three different people who have bought those packages from from not just Jim Lee but Todd McFarlane and other people. Apparently they're worth it. Apparently it's like for them it was like, hey, I hung out, I wasn't rushed, like we actually had a conversation, like it wasn't just like, hey, jerk my dick, take my money and leave. It was, <laughs> it was completely the opposite thing. So um, putting a wrap on it, I just think that's a fun conversation. Um, Nico, give your information before we go. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Nico Writes and I see you underscore W R I T E S. Same thing on Twitter. Um, I just wrapped up all my uh, Inktober stuff, did 31 days of drawings, posting each day. So if you want to go take a look at what I did, you can see it on there, uh, posting new stuff all the time. Um, and just like with Ryan here, I will be at Emerald City Comic Con come, what is it, December 2nd through 5th. Mm. Um, so pretty, pretty, pretty soon it's going to be fun. I won't have a booth, but... Um, I'll have a whole bunch of work with me to kind of show people, um, whoever wants to hang out and talk. Hold on a second. Are you, are you actually staying for all three days? Yeah. So I'll be, I'm actually flying in. I'm getting there Wednesday afternoon. I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, tentative on going to the show on Sunday. Oh, I know um, that. I thought, but, last, last we spoke, you weren't going to the show on Sunday. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I don't have a ticket right now for Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, just because I know that you know Sunday is more of a wrap up day. Mm-hmm. But my flight doesn't leave until uh, Monday around noon, mm. so I, I I do have that Sunday free um, to either tour the either you know go around Seattle, check it out, or um, or if it's worth it, I can maybe snag you know a Sunday ticket. I'm sure they're not too bad. No, they're not. And it's funny you said that because my schedule's changed as well. I'll be there Saturday. I'm gonna be there the entire weekend. Uh, my plane actually my plane actually lands Saturday morning early, so I gotta pick up my rental car up and stuff. And um, I'm gonna be there Saturday, Sunday. My plane my flight leaves early Monday morning. But I was trying to, to, to decide what to do on Sunday. I was like, should I try to go to a Seahawks game? Because I think they see I think the Seahawks play the 49ers. Um, that yeah. night, I was like, should I go? Should I, should I look around? You know, should I go to the con for a couple hours? I, I still haven't decided what I'm going to do with my Sunday either. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. But no, the tickets are like 25, 35 bucks right now. So and and they're and, and you even on the day of, you're going to be able to buy one. So it's not going to be that bad of a situation. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's Nico. Check him on Instagram. Follow him. 
Um, you can follow me at Never Silver Spoon Fed. That is a show. We went pretty long this time, but it's funny, Nico. I, I, I always try to keep my shows between like 30 and 40 minutes, sometimes a little lower. But like when we first started doing shows together, like I was kind of concerned. We always we always hit an hour. Today we're almost at an hour and a half, which is, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but I thought that would be a problem. But people actually, they love it. So, no, I love it. If you like it, I love it. If you love it, I am freaking okay with it. So, um, that is Nico. I am the Slow Chemical. We are out, folks.